Moving on to the Chemad Aleph, where we have several Mishnayot and continuing in the uh, theme of Ein Bain. The top says, Ein Bain Hamoder Lemoder Mimenu Ma'achal. The difference between somebody who takes a vow not to get benefit from his and someone who makes a vow not to get any food from his fellow. The only difference is, El Adrisat Haregel Bekilim She'en Osim Behem Ochal Nefesh. Drisat Haregel means the idea of being, allowing someone to. Um, or being able to walk around like on their property, where if you're the guy is moder hanaah, so you're not allowed to even walk around on this property at all. Okay, and if you're only moder minim ma'achal, so you are allowed to walk around on this property because that's not getting food benefit. You said drisa was that? Yeah, drisa is like to tread. Okay, and similarly, um, when it comes to the uh, the other one, kelim she'en osim baham ochal nefesh vessels that you do not use to make food. So they're also, if you're only moder ma'achal, so those things can't be used to make, to make food, so that's fine. Although Rashi does point out that if the, um, if the uh, kelim are kelim that are normally rented, as opposed to borrowed, then you actually would be usher in both situations, because we assume that the money you're saving is money that you could spend on food. Okay, that's an interesting set point. The Gemara tells us as follows. Ha, but, meaning what we see from the, what, what seems to be excluded by our Mishnah, when it comes to vessels that you do prepare food with, they are the same, meaning it's asur in both cases. How about drisata regal, like walking on the person's property? Gemara says, Halo but people aren't makbid, people aren't so particular, and they, they let everyone kind of come in their house. So, what's the big benefit you're getting from someone that they let you walk in his yard or something? Gemara says, Amarava Hamani Rabbi Eliezer. Who, who has expressed this opinion? This is the opinion of Rabbi Eliezer. He says that if someone's mebater, someone is willing to concede and allow someone to, let's say, to walk on their property, that's still asur in the context of somebody who is moder hana'a. Um, and therefore, he's, so he's extra machmir, and that will be reflected in our Mishnah, although other opinions wouldn't necessarily agree that that's the only distinction. Yes? Can you quickly explain Moderna? Yeah, Moderna means, I'd say, I, I'd say I don't want to have anything to do with you. I'm very upset at you. Mm-hmm. So one way I can express that is I take a vow. I'm not going to get any benefit from you. Mm-hmm. And that's a vow. That's in force. You have to observe that vow. And so the way you observe it is not to get any benefit. So we have to know. So, uh, right, Nidarim, by the way, is a great nafkamina in general for all type of uh, semantics, like language distinctions or language questions. Because, like, well, if you make it, if you say, or like, or, or, and also Hana'ah, like these types of you can you can usually like construct a situation that will help you resolve some type of question about these types of things when you say oh well if the guy was take a take a neder not to whatever would that qualify or not qualify so it's a good, it's always a good test case in general okay the Mishnah says as follows a very a well known concept and if you're not aware of it it's okay but it's a good thing to be aware of the Mishnah says ein the only difference between a neder and a nidava. Ella is When it comes to a neder, a veil, you are liable for, let's say, responsibility, we'll say generally now, we'll explain more clearly. And a devot, you're not chayav. So the difference between a neder and a devot, we'll see right now, neder is you're making a veil, and a devot, you're making a donation. Presumably to the Beit HaMikdash, we'll see as follows. Is it Yeah, generally, yeah. Okay, or something voluntary. So the difference is, we'll say as follows, I'm going to ruin it a little bit just to make it clear now in the Mishnah, and you'll see it explicitly in the Gemara. There's different ways I can try to volunteer to bring a korban to the Beit HaMikdash. One is way I can say, I can make a neder or a veil, 
that I am going to be liable or, or obli- uh, obligated in bringing a Hormat to the Beit Mikdash. That's another way to say, see this animal over here, this beautiful little goat that I've been raising since it's a tiny baby? I want to give this as a donation. I'm going to bring it as a korban to the Beit HaMikdash. Okay, the nether is the one that focuses more on the individual. Okay, if you want to be lundish, you'll call it on the gavra. And if the one that's on the goat is focusing on the chafsa, the object itself. Okay? So when it comes to a nether, I'm liable to take responsibility. We'll see what that means in a second. For the devote, not. The Gemara says, But with regard to the Israel Bal Ta'acher, the Torah says, Lo lishamo. So when you make a, uh, uh, a nether and a devote to bring a korban, you have to, you can't be me'acher, you can't delay in bringing it. There's a whole discussion in the Gemara elsewhere. Um, what the parameters of Baal Ta'acher are, as a three regalim or a year or something like that. Okay, um, so but that the, that would that would make no difference. But in that during the Torah, there's no dis- there's no distinction for the din Okay, Tanan Hatam. We learned in a Mishnah over there. Ezahu neder. What is a neder? It's Haomer, one who says, "Hare alai Ola." Behold, upon me is an Ola. I like I will bring a korban Ola. Ezahu nidava. What's a nidava? Haomer hare zo. Ola. I say this, this animal is a korban, will be a korban Ola. Okay, that's the distinction. Gavra versus Chavsa, the person versus the object. Uman be nidarim nidavot. So what's the practical difference between a nedar and a devot? It's very nice, the language is different, but who cares? Nidarim, when it comes to a nedar, when you said, it's upon me, metu o nignavu o abdu, if the animals you had in mind die, or are stolen, or get lost, chayav ba'achoryutan. You are liable to replace them, right? You're, you're responsible for them because the obligation, even if you said, oh, it's going to be this goat now, but the obligation fundamentally is on you. So just because that particular goat goes missing or dies doesn't mean your obligation is over. So you're chayab to replace it. As opposed to nidavot, metu onigdavu oavdu, and no chayab ba'achayutan. When it comes to nidavot, because the point is on the animal itself, if it were to die or be stolen or get lost, you're not obligated to replace it. Minahani mili, from where do we know this? It should be like pleasing to him to be, to be atoned for him. Rabbi Shimon Omer, et she'alav chayab And the Quetzal says, lechaper alav, to atone for him. Okay? So Rabbi Shimon says, whatever is about him, then you're chayab b'achoryuto. Okay, and that's the case of the nether. Be'et she'no alav, if it's not on him, rather it's about the animal or the object, e'no chayab b'achoryuto. Okay? Then you're not chayab. My mashma. Um, how do you know that that's sort of what, what you're meant to uh, take responsibility for? Rabbi says, once he said the word alai, it's upon me. It's like one who has put a load on his shoulders. And therefore, it's upon you. So just because the particular animal happens to die, you don't get absolved of your responsibility. You still have to go ahead and do it. Okay, and that you can apply to probably many other situations in life, making that distinction between the personal obligation versus the obligation towards a particular object. Okay? So, for example, let's say uh, someone said to you, please deliver this $50 bill to my friend. So if something were to happen to the $50 bill, then you're not necessarily liable. If someone said, uh, please give $50 to my friend, so then... It's obligations on you. It doesn't make a difference which $50 bill it is. Even if you planned on this $50 bill, if it got lost, you'd still be responsible. Those types. Okay? 
That's that Mishnah. Fantastic. Now the Mishnah goes on to issues of two Mantara, more confusing. The Mishnah says, <laughs> who sees two times and who sees three times is Korban. Okay, so I probably that mission needs to be explained. Uh, a zav is a certain type of tum'ah. Um, there is a zav and a zava. There's also a female version. We're going to focus on a male version right now. The female version will come up a little bit later. The male version is what we oftentimes will refer to as a gonorrhea-like emission from one's uh, penis, which is probably like a pussy type of ex- uh, discharge, which is not pleasant, I imagine. But it's not considered to be disease. It is considered to be a tum'ah. It's a tum'ah, okay? That is one of the ma- major types of tum'ah. And it works as follows. A person can either see two re'iyot, two times where they see that they are a zav, okay, either twice on one day or two, two consecutive days, or similarly, three re'iyot, uh, either, again, three times on one day or three days in a row, or two times on one day and one time the next day, okay, different possibilities there. But the two and the three both render you a zav. Okay, there is Zav for one day too, but we're going to ignore it for right now. Um, it's, a, it's a much more minor form of uh, Tum'ah. Okay, so it gets really serious when it's two or three times. What's the only difference in two or three times? The difference is Korban. Okay, the person who sees two uh, <coughs> sightings of being a Zav, you do not have to bring a Korban at the end of the process of becoming Tahor. The person who sees three times does have to bring a Korban. So far, so good? Okay. The Gemara points out, <laughs> But when it comes to three other issues, one is Mishkav, which is that if a Zav lies down on something, okay, everything underneath that he is lying down on is Tameh. Okay? This is like, you guys remember the story of the princess and the pea? Yeah. With all the, you know, the mattresses? You don't know what I'm talking about? Okay, so if you do, great. If you don't, imagine lots of mattresses piled up. So let's say a Zav lies on the top mattress, so all the mattresses are tamay, even though he hasn't touched the bottom ones. Okay? That's one. That's Mishkav. Moshav is similar. Anything you sit on is also going to be uh, tamay. Furthermore, there's Svirat Shiva. Svirat Shiva means that when the Zav stops seeing these emissions, he cannot go to the mikvah right away. He has to count seven days where he is clean, where he has to check and make sure he is no longer seeing these type of discharges. And only at the end of the seven days is he able to go to the mikvah, okay? So for those purposes, all three of those dinim, there's no difference between seeing two times or three times. One time, yes. One time is not going to be the same dinim. But two and three doesn't make a difference. The only difference is korban. So far, so good? Yeah. Okay. By the way, just as a side point, the idea of counting shiva, what we call shiva nikiim, the seven clean days, has modern application, not for men, but for women who are nidot, because of a variety of reasons, women who are women who are anida were also concerned they're a zava, and therefore, uh, if you guys have heard of like, oh, why is a woman anida for like twelve or fourteen days during the month? The reason is because she has her period, let's say, for about five to seven days, and then she has to count seven clean days where she's not anida at all. That's not really because of hilchot nida; it's really because of hilchot zava, okay, which has a similar thing. But again, in due time, maybe we'll learn about that. But there is a practical application to that. Okay? Now, the Gemara says, From where do we know that this is, in fact, the case, that we have this distinction between the two and the three times? Okay? We're going to get a little bit, hopefully, um, it'll be a little tactical. Hopefully, we'll, we'll keep, it clear, keep it straight. The ton of Rabbanim, we'll learn the Brayta. Rabbi Simai Omer. Okay, remember the name, we'll come back to Rabbi Simai. Rabbi Simai says, The Torah counted two, and it called it Tameh. When he says counted two, what he means is that the the Pasuk mentions the word Zav in one of the Pesukim two times. 
Okay, if you look in the Rashi here, it says, Menaka Div Shtaim. It's a little further down the page. Menaka Div it says, Ba'ish ki ye zav mi zovo Okay, so it mentions, it repeats the word zav. So that's two times. And it says tameh. So that's number one. That's the, two times your tameh. Also, back in the Gemara, it says, Shalosh vikaro tameh. And it also says, mentions a different pasuk, three times the word zav. Rashi again said, Dichtiv, Vizotiyat tumato bizovo, number one. Rar bisaro et zovo, number two. Oechtim bisaro mizovo. And also then labels that as, again, they labeled that as tumato, right? That was zotiyat tumato. So the pasuk did it two different times. It had a pasuk with two mentions and three mentions. Ha-Ketzad, says the Gemara. What's the case? Shtayim letuma fishalosh to korban. There would have been, if they had the same dinim, there would have been blessed. There would have been no need to do this in two different psukim. The fact that this seems to be indicating a, dif- a distinction between a two times a person and a three times a person, the difference is two to get you to the tuma point, three to get you to the korban point. Okay? The Gemara says, well, that's nice to say, but I don't know where you got that from. The Amar, I could say, just as easily, Shtayim letuma Velola korban, shalosh lo korban, velola tumah. Right? You're, you, build, you chose to build on it. Two gets you tumah, three is tumah plus korban. How do you know that? Maybe three is korban, and, you did, and, the, and the tumah disappears. Mara says, well, I don't know. Amra, they say, That doesn't logically make sense, because until you've seen three, you had to first see two. So you already became tumah. So that doesn't make a lot of sense. So it had to be the two and the three, two for tumah, the third one is for korban. Well, the Ema, I could say, Shtaim le Korban, the Lola Tuma. Maybe two gets you have to bring a Korban, but you're not Tama yet. Shalosh af le Tuma. But the third one will bring you, get you to be Tuma as well. Okay? So with Rabbi Simai, it's a nice drasha here with the two, three times mentioned in the Pasuk, but we're kind of a little bit stuck in terms of knowing specifically why it has to be two for Tuma, three for Korban. Mara says, Lo You cannot think that. Okay? Don't think that two will get you carbon without tumma, and three with, and the third one gets you tumma as well. Titania, because we learned in the Brayta, the puzzle says, Vichiper alava kohen lifnei Hashem mi zovo. The Kohen will help him atone before Hashem from his being a zav. The, uh, the reference here, the, the implication seems to be, we'll see, is that, um, Mizo, his particular being a Zav, as opposed to another type of being a Zav. That's the inference, okay? That's what it says now. Mixat Zavin Mivi'in Korban. The implication is that a minority or a portion, some of Zavs bring a Korban. That's Kipera Lafa Kohen. The Kohen helping you be Mechaber means you bring a Korban. Umixat Zavin ain't Mivi'in Korban. But then by implication, by, again, by, by implication, some Zavin are not going to bring a Korban. So how is that going to work out? Well, let's work out the possibilities. <laughs> Haketzad, how would this be? Ra'ashalosh may be, shtayim and omevi. So if he sees three times, he'll bring a korban. Two times, he doesn't bring a korban. O'eno ela, or maybe it is, that ra'ashtayim may be, ra'ashalosh may be. Maybe if he brings two, he brings a korban. Three, he doesn't bring a korban. But again, the Gemara says, Amrat ashalosh, ra'ashalosh, ra'ashtayim. But until you've seen three, you had to see two. So if you're saying two for the korban, yes. Three for the korban, no. It's too late. You already had to bring a korban. So, what the Gemara is going to say is as follows: that put these two together is going to give us our answer. We need Rabbi Simai's explanation, and we also need this Mizovo explanation. Okay, there's two sources are going to help us together. Why? If I only use Rabbi Simai to understand again that two gets you tuma and the third one gets you korban, 
I would have said, Kikushian. I would have said, like our Kushia, which is, how do you know it's exactly that sequence? Maybe it's other things. Kamash Malan, Mizovo. So that's what comes to Pasuk, Mizovo, to teach us that. Um, that some bring a korban, some don't bring a korban. But if it's from mizovo, I wouldn't know how many sightings of being a zav you would need. So that's where Rabbi Simai comes along and says, well, the Torah indicates that by the two mentionings of the word zav or the three mentionings of the word zav. Okay? So we put it all together and you end up with our, exactly our halacha, two and three, two for tumah, three for korban. Okay. So far, so good? Okay, it's very complex, but you know, we're trying to keep it as simple as we can. <laughs> but now that we've said that the word mizovo is used for a drasha, so then, you know what, we can look for other cases in the Torah where it says mizovo, or maybe in a similar context, where now we're all of a sudden enlightened that mizovo should actually teach us something. So Gemara says, hazav mizovo When it says in the Pasuk, <coughs> when the zav becomes tahor from his being a zav, what drasha do you want to make about that? Who are you going to be, uh, what are you going to limit it to, and who are you going to, going to exclude? So it says, That is necessary in accordance with the following b'raita. As it teaches, When the zav becomes tahor, When he stops having his ziva, his being a zav, meaning from his being a zav, but not from his being a zav and being having a nega. Nega, the word nega is always a reference to what type of tumah? Sarat, very good. Okay, so, they, um, so the question is as follows. You might have thought, let's say a person is both a Zav and a Mitzorah. Okay, they're both a Zav and a Mitzorah. Is there any point in going to the mikvah to get, becoming Tahor from being a Zav, which removes certain types of you know, uh, tumot, but you're still a Mitzorah? So it's like weird. You're going to the mikvah as a Mitzorah where you're still Tameh, so can you accomplish any type of Tahara for your being a Zav while you're a Mitzorah? This puzzle is saying yes. Okay? You become Tahor from your being a Zav. But forget about the fact that you are also a Mitzorah. There's a long Rashi here that explains that. But yeah. No, meaning, you don't, meaning uh, no, it's, 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 in words itself, it might sound that way. What he means to say is that Mizovo, meaning you can go to the Mikvah and become Tahor just from you being a Zav, and you don't have to wait to become Tahor from you being a Zav and, and Negatarat. Okay? Um, so that's, that's the implication there. Okay? So that's where we learn Mizovo. It's a slightly different way of learning the, the word Mizovo, but it also is. You know, eliminating something else. Then the Gemara says, Mizovo visafar, from his being a zav, and he counts. Limein al zav ba'al re'iyot, shetaun svirat shiva. That teaches us that a zav who has two re'iyot requires counting seven clean days. Right? That's something that we mentioned earlier in the Gemara, that the Mishnah didn't uh, make that as a distinction between two and three days. But this is the passage that tells us that you're chayav to count seven clean days, even if you're just a zav for two sightings. Where exactly does it say it? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Um, so that's what it's telling us. The Gemara asks, Why do I need a pasuk? It is a logical argument. Din, it means logical, but it also implies kabachomer. Okay? 
How, why is it logical that a Zav who sees two times should have to count seven clean days? If you're already going to be mitameh, these two very stringent types of tumah, of mishkav and moshav, things that you lie down upon and things that you sit upon, one also, by definition, also makes a lot of sense that you should have to have a counting of seven clean days. So we just do one more line and so stop in the middle. The answer is shomer yom keneged yom tochiyach. The case of a Shomeret Yom Kenegad Yom will prove the case. A Shomeret Yom Kenegad Yom <laughs> is a woman who, um, the way they is that a woman who sees blood during certain times of the month is a Nida, but there's 11 days in the month where she cannot become a Nida. If she sees Dham then, that's where she, be, she can become a Zava. Okay? So if she sees then, she has to sort of like play it day by day. Okay? And what happens is, that's what Rashi says on the top, yom echad yom echad So she just counts one day, and then she can go to the mikvah that night. What's the halacha about that in the Gemara? That can prove that our um, logical kavachomer doesn't work. Why? Because a woman like that is metama mishkava moshav, but she doesn't require counting seven clean days. Okay, and therefore, sorry, we just took a couple more lines. So you too don't get so, so, so surprised. On this case, that even though he's this guy who sees two riyot, he's Matami Mishkav Moshab, he also, what, he shouldn't require Svirat Shiva? That's going to be fine. Logically, it perfectly works. Tamud Lomar, that's what the puzzle comes to teach us. Mizovo Visafar, Mixat Zovo, Mixat Zovo Visafar. That teaches us that Zav, which is two times, requires counting seven days. We'll review that in a little bit uh, tomorrow, but we'll stop here for now. Isn't it just our normal-